This episode of Getting the Word with Truth's Table is brought to you by IVP. In our frenzied culture, rest often feels elusive, especially for leaders who carry the weight of nonstop responsibility. If your soul longs for replenishment, stay tuned to learn more about Ruth Haley Barton's book, Embracing Rhythms of Work and Rest, and by Truth's Table. If you've been blessed by these daily audio Bible podcast readings, please consider supporting Truth's Table on Patreon at patreon.com slash truthstable. This is IVP. In sharing the realities of humanity, the Bible does not shy away from the way that people unjustly sin against each other. Today's Bible audio episode features themes of human suffering, like sexual trauma and violence, that may be inappropriate for small children and triggering to others. While presently there is mixed research about the benefit of trigger warnings, we wanted to make you aware of this content so that you can govern yourselves accordingly. Reaching out to a trusted support, journaling, using relaxation techniques, and to the extent that you can, exercising or moving your body are best practices. Ultimately, we pray that even in the most difficult portions of Scripture, you come to know that the God of all justice and compassion sees you. Listening to Get in the Word with Truth's Table. Your word is truth, your word is life. Presented by Inner Varsity Press. Your word is truth, your word is life. A daily audio Bible podcast read by Dr. Christina Edmondson and Akemeni Uwan. Let's get in the Word, and may the Word get in us. Open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things in your Word. Old Testament reading, Psalm 51. For the music director, a Psalm of David, written when Nathan the prophet confronted him, after David's affair with Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your loyal love, because of your great compassion. Wipe away my rebellious acts, wash away my wrongdoing, cleanse me of my sin, for I am aware of my rebellious acts. I am forever conscious of my sin. Against you, you above all, I have sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. So you are just when you confront me. You are right when you condemn me. Look, I was guilty of sin from birth a sinner the moment my mother conceived me. Look, you desire integrity in the inner man. You want me to possess wisdom. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be pure. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Grant me the ultimate joy of being forgiven. May the bones you crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Wipe away all my guilt. Create for me a pure heart, O God. 
Renew a resolute spirit within me. Do not reject me. Do not take your Holy Spirit away from me. Let me again experience the joy of your deliverance. Sustain me by giving me the desire to obey. Then I will teach rebels your merciful ways, and sinners will turn to you. Rescue me from the guilt of murder, O God, the God who delivers me. Then my tongue will shout for joy because of your righteousness. O Lord, give me the words. Then my mouth will praise you. Certainly, you do not want a sacrifice, or else I would offer it. You do not desire a burnt sacrifice. The sacrifice God desires is a humble spirit. O God, a humble and repentant heart, you will not reject. Because you favor Zion, do what is good for her. Fortify the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will accept the proper sacrifices, burnt sacrifices, and whole offerings. Then bulls will be sacrificed on your altar. 1 Chronicles chapter 14, verses 3-7 through 7. In Jerusalem, David married more wives and fathered more sons and daughters. These are the names of children born to him in Jerusalem. Shemua, Shobab, Nathan, Solomon, Ibhar, Elusha, Elpalet, Nogath, Nepheg, Japhia, Elishama, Biliada, and Eliphilet. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 26 through 31. David's forces defeat the Ammonites. So Joab fought against Rabat of the Ammonites and captured the royal city. Joab then sent messengers to David, saying, I have fought against Rabat and have captured the water supply of the city. So now assemble the rest of the army and besiege the city and capture it. Otherwise, I will capture the city, and it will be named for me. So David assembled all the army and went to Rabath, and fought against it and captured it. He took the crown of their king from his head. It was gold, weighed about 75 pounds, and held a precious stone, and it was placed on David's head. He also took from the city a great deal of plunder. He removed the people who were in it and made them labor with saws, iron picks, and iron axes, putting them to work at the brick kiln. This was his policy with all the Ammonite cities. Then David and all the army returned to Jerusalem. First Chronicles chapter 20, verses 2-3 through three. David took the crown from the head of their king and wore it. Its weight was a talent of gold, and it was set with precious stones. It took a large amount of plunder from the city. He removed the city's residents and made them labor with saws, iron picks, and axes. This was his policy with all the Ammonite cities. Then David and all the army returned to Jerusalem. 2 Samuel chapter 13 The Rape of Tamar Now David's son, Absalom, had a beautiful sister named Tamar. In the course of time, David's son, Amnon, fell madly in love with her. But Amnon became frustrated because he was so lovesick over his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin, and to Amnon it seemed out of the question to do anything to her. Now Amnon had a friend named Jonadab, the son of David's brother, Shemiah, 
Jonadab was a very crafty man. He asked Amnon, Why are you, the king's son, so depressed every morning? Can't you tell me? So Amnon said to him, I'm in love with Tamar, the sister of my brother, Absalom. Jonadab replied to him, Lie down on your bed and pretend to be sick. When your father comes in to see you, say to him, Please let my sister Tamar come in so she can fix some food for me. Let her prepare the food in my sight so I can watch. Then I will eat from her hand. So Amnon lay down and pretended to be sick. When the king came to see him, Amnon said to the king, Please let my sister Tamar come in so she can make a couple of cakes in my sight. Then I will eat from her hand. So David sent Tamar to the house, saying, Please go to the house of Amnon, your brother, and prepare some food for him. So Tamar went to the house of Amnon, her brother, who was lying down. She took the dough, kneaded it, made some cakes while he watched, and baked them. But when she took the pan and set it before him, he refused to eat it. Instead, Amnon said, Get everyone out of here. So everyone left. Then Amnon said to Tamar, Bring the cakes into the bedroom, then I will eat from your hand. So Tamar took the cakes that she had prepared and brought them to her brother Amnon in the bedroom. As she brought them to him, he grabbed her and said to her, Come on, get in bed with me, my sister. But she said to him, No, my brother, don't humiliate me. This just isn't done in Israel. Don't do this foolish thing. How could I ever be rid of my humiliation? And you would be considered one of the fools in Israel. Just speak to the king, for he will not withhold me from you. But he refused to listen to her. He overpowered her and humiliated her by raping her. Then Amnon greatly despised her. His disdain towards her surpassed the love he had previously felt towards her. Amnon said to her, Get up and leave. But she said to him, No, I won't, for sending me away now would be worse than what you did to me earlier. But he refused to listen to her. He called his personal attendant and said to him, Take this woman out of my sight and lock the door behind her. Now she was wearing a long robe, for this is what the king's virgin daughters used to wear. So Amnon's attendants removed her and bolted the door behind her. Then Tamar put ashes on her head and tore the long robe she was wearing. She put her hands on her head and went on her way, wailing as she went. Her brother Absalom said to her, Was Amnon your brother with you? Now be quiet, my sister. He is your brother. Don't take it so seriously. Tamar, devastated, lived in the house of her brother Absalom. Now King David heard about all these things and was very angry. But Absalom said nothing to Amnon either bad or good. Yet Absalom hated Amnon because he had humiliated his sister, Tamar. Absalom has Amnon put to death. Two years later, Absalom's sheep shearers were in Baal, Hazor, near Ephraim. Absalom invited all the king's sons. Then Absalom went to the king and said, My shearers have begun their work. Let the king and his servants go with me. But the king said to Absalom, No, my son, we shouldn't all go. We shouldn't burden you in that way. Though Absalom pressed him, the king was not willing to go. Instead, David blessed him. Then Absalom said, If you will not go, then let my brother Amnon go with us. 
The king replied to him, Why should he go with you? But when Absalom pressed him, he sent Amnon and all the king's sons along with him. Absalom instructed his servants, Look, when Amnon is drunk and I say to you, Strike Amnon down, kill him, then and there. Don't fear. It is not I who has given you these instructions. Be strong and courageous. So Absalom's servants did to Amnon exactly what Absalom had instructed. Then all the king's sons got up. Each one rode away on his mule and fled. While they were still on their way, the following report reached David. Absalom has killed all the king's sons. Not one of them is left. Then the king stood up and tore his garments and lay down on the ground. All his servants were standing there with torn garments as well. Jonadab, the son of David's brother Shemaiah, said, My Lord should not say, They have killed all the young men who are the king's sons. For only Amnon is dead. This is what Absalom has talked about from the day that Amnon humiliated his sister Tamar. Now don't let my lord the king be concerned about the report that has come saying, All the king's sons are dead. It is only Amnon who is dead. In the meantime, Absalom fled. When the servant who was the watchman looked up, he saw many people coming from the west on a road beside the hill. Jonadab said to the king, Look, the king's sons have come. It's just as I said. Just as he finished speaking, the king's sons arrived, wailing and weeping. The king and all his servants wept loudly as well. But Absalom fled and went to King Telmiah, son of Amahud of Jeshur. And David grieved over his son every day. After Absalom fled and went to Jeshur, he remained there for three years. The king longed to go to Absalom, for he had since been consoled over the death of Amnon. New Testament Reading 1 Corinthians chapter 7 Celibacy and Marriage Now with regard to the issues you wrote about, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But because of immoralities, each man should have relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. A husband should fulfill his marital responsibilities to his wife, and likewise a wife to her husband. It is not the wife who has the rights to her own body, but the husband. In the same way, it is not the husband who has the rights to his own body, but the wife. Do not deprive each other, except by mutual agreement, for a specified time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then resume your relationship, so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I say this as a concession, not as a command. I wish that everyone was as I am but each has his own gift from God. One this way, another that. To the unmarried and widows, I say that it is best for them to remain as I am. But if they do not have self-control, let them get married. For it is better to marry than to burn with sexual desire. To the married I give this command. Not I, but the Lord. A wife should not divorce a husband. But if she does, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband, and a husband should not divorce his wife. To the rest I say, I, not the Lord, if a brother has a wife who is not a believer, and she is happy to live with him, he should not divorce her. And if a woman has a husband who is not a believer, and he is happy to live with her, she should not divorce him. 
For the unbelieving husband is sanctified because of the wife, and the unbelieving wife because of her husband. Otherwise, your children are unclean, but now they are holy. But if the unbeliever wants a divorce, let it take place. In these circumstances, the brother or sister is not bound. God has called you in peace. For how do you know, wife, whether you will bring your husband to salvation? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will bring your wife to salvation? The Circumstances of Your Calling Nevertheless, as the Lord has assigned to each one, as God has called each person, so must he live. I give this sort of direction in all the churches. Was anyone called after he had been circumcised? He should not try to undo his circumcision. Was anyone called who is uncircumcised? He should not get circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. Instead, keeping God's commandments is what counts. Let each one remain in that situation in life in which he was called. Were you called as a slave? Do not worry about it. But if indeed you were able to be free, make the most of the opportunity. For the one who was called in the Lord as a slave is the Lord's freed man. In the same way, the one who was called as a free person is Christ's slave. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. In whatever situation someone was called, brothers and sisters, let him remain in it with God. Remaining Unmarried With regard to the question about people who have never married, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my opinion as one shown mercy by the Lord to be trustworthy. Because of the impending crisis, I think it is best for you to remain as you are. The one bound to a wife should not seek divorce. The one released from a wife should not seek marriage. But if you marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face difficult circumstances. And I'm trying to spare you such problems. And I say this, brothers and sisters, the time is short. So then, those who have wives should be as those who have none. Those with tears like those not weeping. Those who rejoice like those not rejoicing. Those who buy like those without possessions. Those who use the world as though they were not using it to the full. For the present shape of this world is passing away. I want you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the things of the Lord. How to please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the things of the world. How to please his wife. And he is divided. An unmarried woman or a virgin is concerned about the things of the Lord, to be holy both in body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the things of the world, how to please her husband. I am saying this for your benefit, not to place a limitation on you, but so that without distraction you may give notable and constant service to the Lord. If anyone thinks he is acting inappropriately towards his virgin, if she is past the bloom of youth and it seems necessary, He should do what he wishes. He does not sin. Let them marry. But the man who is firm in his commitment and is under no necessity but has control over his will and has decided in his own mind to keep his own virgin does well. So then, the man who marries his own virgin does well, but the one who does not does better. A wife is bound as long as her husband is living. But if her husband dies, 
She is free to marry anyone she wishes, only someone in the Lord. But in my opinion, she will be happier if she remains as she is. And I think that I too have the Spirit of God. This is the Word of God for the people of God. May God add a blessing to the reading of His Word. Let us go boldly to God's throne of grace. Gracious and holy God, the God who sees, the God who sees all injustice, hurt, and harm, the God who sees us as we harm others and as we are harmed. God, we appeal to you today, your compassion, your justice, your mercy, your forgiveness, O God. We entrust ourselves to you as we think about all that this life often holds, the contradictions that we may find ourselves walking in, the traumas we ourselves have experienced, O God. Would you indeed be a balm to weary, weary hearts and souls? Would you bring healing to minds that are traumatized, that replay hurt and harm, families at times that were complicit, O God, in our hurt and harm? O Lord, leaders complicit in hurt and harm. God, we are reminded that you are thrice holy, holy and righteous and pure, and that you call us to, to, O God, surrender our bodies over to you as living sacrifices. You have called us to be mindful of how we regard other people's bodies, O Lord. And so, Lord, today we pray for healing. We pray for healing for those who have experienced victimization, hurt and harm, and have had people in positions of authority and power who said nothing, who did not weep for the harm that was done to them, but instead wept for the one who had done the wrong. Gracious and merciful God, would you arise and avenge? Would you avenge your children, the co-heirs with Christ, who have been harmed by abuse and trauma, O God? And for those who are listening, who have been the wrongdoer, who have brought forth the harm and covered it up, by the grace of God, would you bring your light, O Lord? Would you shine your light on those who have committed the wrongdoing, that they might fall on their face, that they might repent before you, O God, that they might cry out and acknowledge that against you they have sinned? Would they confess and seek to make right? to do right, to make repair, O Lord. O God, there is enough grace for us to tell the truth, even about the most painful and shameful and criminal behaviors of our lives. And so we pray right now for a revival of truth, a revival of honesty, a revival of accountability, O God. And we pray for sensitivity and healing and compassion to those who have been harmed. We pray, O God, that you Uh, Your spirit would be at work helping to prop up and hold up people who are single and wish not to be, O Lord. People who would long for relationships and comfort, O God. Would you grant them the ability to persevere in their season or life of singleness, O God? And if it be your will, would you bring them, would you bring them a spouse of honor and integrity, O God? We pray right now for those who are in marriages that, that do not honor you who experience hurt and harm and cruelty in any way, shape, or form. We are reminded that we are not defined by marriage and 
We ought not make marriage an idol. And we thank you, O God, that you rescue us from bondage, even from the bondage of hurtful and painful marriages, O God. Set the captives free. O Lord, we thank you that ultimately you have brought to yourself a bride without spot or wrinkle and that we await the manifestation of this beautiful metaphor of the bridegroom and the bride being united. But we understand fully that on this side of glory, things are not always as they should be. So in your mercy, would you help and to support marriages, O God? Would you mark them with holiness and compassion and kindness and justice and equity and integrity, O God, for your name's sake? Lord God, we need you today. We need you every day. But as we sit with the pain in these passages and the realities of life, we cry out to you, O God, to be in the midst by the power of your Spirit in in intangible ways that we know that you see us and that you hear us, O God. You are indeed mighty to save, mighty to uphold, and mighty to renew. And Lord, we need all of these things through our traumas and our singleness and our marriages, O God, and our relationships. We need you at the center, your divine love and holiness, your protection and your justice. Would you be a God, a great and gracious God over our life? It is in your name that we pray and entrust ourselves. Amen and amen. The journey to a meaningful Sabbath practice is slow and gradual, and it is a journey we need to take in community. In her book, Embracing Rhythms of Work and Rest, Ruth Haley Barton offers wisdom regarding the rhythms of Sabbath, exploring both weekly Sabbath keeping as well as extended periods of sabbatical time. Sabbath is more than a practice. It is a way of life ordered around God's invitation to regular rhythms of work, rest, and replenishment that will sustain us for the long haul of life and leadership. Get your copy of this book today at ivpress.com. As a listener of this podcast, you can get 30% off plus free U.S. shipping when you use the promo code, the word, that's promo code T-H-E-W-O-R-D at ivpress.com. We pray this time of getting the word with Truth Table has encouraged us all to not only be hearers of God's word, but doers. Share your reflections on these scriptures with us on Twitter and Instagram using the hashtag GetInTheWord and hashtag TruthsTable. Saints, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Go with God. Get in the Word with Truth's Table is a production of InterVarsity Press. For 75 years, IVP has created and published resources that deepen lives for Christ to engage the university, church, and the world. Visit ivpress.com for more information. Our Bible reading plan is from biblestudytogether.com, and the Bible version is the new English translation used by permission. Sound engineering is from Pottery Studios, and our executive producer is Helen Lee. Let's go, so to sleep.